welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. This is the second um, half of a session on powerlessness and unmanageability on step one. Uh, my name is David. I am a sexaholic. Uh, by the grace of my higher power, my sobriety date is August 2nd, 1988, for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. And... Um, we're, we're continuing uh, from the session that was uh, the previous hour. And we have you right here. You yep. came back. Yes, finally. Hi, I'm Connor, sexaholic. I'm someone from Utah. Um, so I've been in the program about three years. And uh, really just, it's been really, I've, I've really had a hard time staying sober. Um, I'll go stretches of a few months here and there and... There was a stretch. I went to a conference about a little over a year ago. Um, it was really a turning point for me where I realized that, you know, one meeting a week wasn't going to cut the cake. And I, so I started going to meetings every day. I uh, really started working the steps and I went through the 12 steps. I think I did a really poor job at the steps, but I was able to, um, get the longest spread I've ever had, which was six months. Um, and then I started sponsoring guys and I was like, yeah, I'm doing great. And <laughs> I, uh, ended up relapsing and this is like in August. And since then, I remember the time I relapsed, I felt so much embarrassment. And I remember calling my sponsees and like, yeah, I relapsed. So I can't sponsor you. And, and, I, I remember just feeling so unmotivated at that point. I'm like, oh, I've already worked the steps. I've been going to meetings, and it, I guess it just didn't work. <laughs> and obviously, you know, talking to my sponsor, talking to others in the program helped me to feel comfortable and just like, okay, this, you know, obviously um, God still can help me, and he still has the power, and I just need to surrender to him. Um, but I felt, I, even since then, I've had, I've had a really hard time staying even a week or two in sobriety and, uh, I felt a lot of shame. And I realized yesterday in one of the sessions that I still experience a lot of shame day to day with my friends or, you know, going to meetings and not wanting to say a lot and feeling that I'm inadequate and anyways, and I, and I, I have, realized that my a lot of my shame is tied to ego and you know feeling like oh you know I've I used to be so good and now I'm so bad and and anyways I, I think there's a lot that's that's tied together there but my my question for you David is if shame is you know destructive and I've heard so many people say that in the program um how do I get rid of shame or how do I how do I overcome this shame that's that's on that's been on my shoulders the past few months? Well, I'm glad you ask easy questions. 
Um, I was asked, the same thing came up yesterday in another breakout. And um, first of all, shame does not appear in the AA literature. I shouldn't say literature. It doesn't appear in the AA Big Book or 12 and 12. Um, and it's it's not sort of part of what was handed to me as part of this program. Uh, it certainly is common in many circles that we travel in to run into it and to label things that way. And what I found for myself is that uh, what I experience shame, that's not the issue. Um, I ex- what I've been learned and been experienced is that shame is a form of pride. Um, the, 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 the quick version of shame is that, God, you made a mistake when you made me. Um, that I am beyond redemption. Um, in terms of, of theology, to say I am beyond redemption is, oh, I'm a little better than you are, God, in this area. Well, you say it that way, and it's like, there's a little bit of pride in that. In fact, there's a heck of a lot of pride in that. Or if you want to be literal, there's a hell of a lot of pride in it, because that's where it goes. And and um, and that's exactly what most people, and I think I don't mean to be negative here, it's going to sound like I am, I think, uh, but most people, when they're talking about shame, that's where they're going. Well, God, you know, on this one, you you kind of a has-been, God. You just can't handle me, you know. Well, we say it out loud, and we can hear how ridiculous it is. We keep it between our ears, though, and that's what I was telling someone at the break. We all have these things, whether it's shame, whether it's guilt, whether it's humiliation, whether it's frustration, whether it's something illegal, it doesn't matter. (coughs) We all have these things that we do, that we think that are inside us, that are terrible. And if we bring them out in the open, as you've just done, They won't do any damage. And it's the damage that matters. Damage to ourselves, damage to other people. And and that turns out to be the antidote, um, is to, no matter what it is, bring it out in the open. I was telling someone about the AA speaker, Clancy, and and how people will ask him to do things, and they'll have these incredible inner dialogues about, how how do you dare ask me, God's representation on earth, to help you? You miserable scum. He says, that's exactly what I think when I'm talking to people. And as long as I say to him, sure, how can I be helpful? It doesn't matter. You know, and he tells these stories on himself. And we have to do that. We have to tell these stories on ourselves. I, I could run down a whole list of them. I'm not going to. Um, they're very easy. And that's every day. The other thing I'd like to share, um, two things. First of all, any day you're sober is a miracle, in my experience. Secondly, we have two pieces of really, 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 really bad news in this program. And here they come. First of all, if I'm disturbed, the problem's in me. That's a really bad piece of bad news. If it settles in, you'll see why. Secondly, and here comes the worst one, if we've ever been sober 24 hours in this program, we have all the tools we need to be sober the rest of our life. That's really bad news. And and it does mean that either I do today what I need to do today that I did yesterday. What Bill Wilson said is, people ask me if I'll ever drink again. He said, the only re- honest response I can give them is, I don't know. He said, what I do know is if I do today what I did yesterday, I won't drink again. 
And that's what we have to do is just go back and start over at step zero, step one every day. Um, does that make me different from other people? Amen, it does. You know, I when I was 10 years old, I had been active in my sexual addiction for six years, started at age four. So I see a 10-year-old in some family somewhere, and I think, I hope it's not happening to you, <laughs> you know, little boy, little girl, um, because I was miserable, and I, I was 10, and then I had another 28 years to go. And, um, and you know, I hate it when I someone 21 years old comes into our fellowship. I can't stand it. I had to do another 21 years after that. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't wish this pain on anybody. And, and, um, and it really, the freedom that comes from sobriety and recovery is worth it. So I don't know if any of that's helpful, but I'm glad you're here. Somebody else wants to talk. Come up. Hi, my name is Laura, and I am a sexaholic. Hi, Laura. Um, I have, I'm very proud of the fact that I recently achieved 18 months sobriety in AA, and um, the problem being that I have an excellent AA sponsor who is um, being supportive of my participation and starting to go through the steps in SA. Um, I have a temporary sponsor, and... Step one is scary to me, like I know it is to many people, but um, I'm getting conflicting information from somebody who I have an established relationship with who is very well-versed in 12-step programs, but not SA. And so I'm struggling with um, writing and preparing to give my first step to the group when I'm getting conflicting information. So I guess my question is, what's your opinion on that and Maybe why do you find it so important to give it to the group yeah. and how I can get started? Okay. I'm going to go sit down so I can. That'd be great. Um, it, we had started this conversation, she and I, um, during the break. And um, my experience in the fellowship is that sharing our first step with a group, the group makes a difference. Because I've had people do it and not do it. I've had people do their first steps only with me or only with somebody else. Um, there's a footnote along there I'll come back to. If I say that, I'll remember it. Um, and um, and there are almost all areas. One reason I love, there are many reasons I love SA. One of them is it's so close to AA. If I go to an AA meeting, I'm quite comfortable. And then they start reading how it works and I'm there. And and the and the purpose and all that, and at the same time, there are a few places where we are different. And one is um, sharing our first step with the group. It seems to help. Speaking of shame, actually, it seems to overcome that stigma of talking about masturbation, talking about uh, our sexual acting out, talking about um, the craziness of the fantasies that come in, and and just takes practice and. Step, and it seems to make a difference. And, and, and the only reason I say that with some sense of conviction is because that's just what I've seen over the years. And um, I was sharing yesterday, uh, my first step took two, I, we did it in a meeting, and it took two meetings, uh, two Thursdays in a row. And, um, and it's just what it took for me to get it all out. 
the image that I used has still served me well to this day, as far as I'm concerned anyway, um, that when I did my first step, I took all the stuff, and later on I remembered some things I had tucked in a corner, I threw them on, and I put all my stuff on a barge, a big garbage barge, and I cut the rope to it. And every day that I'm sober, I'm one day further away from that barge. If I act out, I'm reconnected to the barge. And that's one day at a time. I haven't had to do that yet. And that's what would happen. And everything I put on that barge is just as stinky, ugly, wrong, you know, damaging as it was the day I put it on. Nothing's changed. The one, well, it's actually the one thing that has changed is some of it's gotten rotten over the years and stinkier. So that's certainly happened. Um, and every once in a while, somebody will fly over that barge and they'll say, boy, there's all that stinky, rotten, dangerous, illegal stuff you did. And the only thing I can say is, yep, it's absolutely true. I did. And it's all there on that barge. And, and I just let it float away unless I reconnect to it. And so that's the image that works for me. But I grew up on the East Coast where we have a lot of garbage barges. So I'm not sure if you have them out here. Um, and, um, and the, uh, the sharing it with the group seems to make a difference. Uh, one question was, does it make a difference whether it's a mixed group or a same-sex group? I don't find that's true at all. I've, I've been in quite a few women's first steps, um, and also I know plenty of women in this fellowship who have, uh, oh, I'll have a, I had two footnotes, so I was going to come back. Um, plenty of women in this fellowship who have only shared it with other women, and it, it, that's fine. That doesn't seem to be the difference. Uh, and there are lots of reasons why women would rather share with other women, and I totally understand that. And the same is true for men, I might add. Uh, two footnotes. Um, one, uh, on a first step, and step four would be the same. Um, I have had people do their first steps on their computers. And I have never seen it work as well as handwritten. And a lot of us have crappy handwriting. Script is no longer taught in our public schools. Um, I understand all that. There are physiological reasons why if we handwrite something, it's going to have a different impact on us than writing it on the computer. And and the people I have worked with who have done their first step, written their first step out on the computer, or their fourth step, either one, just don't do as well. So I'll pass that on uh, for what it's worth. And then the other thing I was going to come back to just went out of my head. So I guess God doesn't want it right now. You're up. Uh, good morning. My name's Evan, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I joined the program back in about June, and uh, since I've been dealing with a lot of chronic flipping and stuff, I really just can't seem to get over to step one. And I, I feel like the obstacle for me is, is this notion that I, I have to admit that this is who I am, and I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. That That's the easy part. It's admitting that, but then also finding that God loves me and that I can live with it and live a sober life knowing that this is who I am. I, I just, I, I've been dealing a lot with feeling like that's a very paradoxical thing to, to admit that I have a problem with me 
but to find that God loves me when before, when I didn't even know I had this problem, I couldn't find that God loved me. Like I just felt isolated and this trying to come to terms with this disease makes me feel more isolated in a lot of ways. So I just want to ask advice on how to, how to put those two together to, to, to accept it, but to also feel God's love and the love of the fellowship. That's great. And you just gave me a tremendous gift without knowing it. Um, I can hear Jess saying to me over and over again, because I gave him ample opportunity, David, God made me a sexaholic. He must have known what he was doing. Now, for a lot of people, that theologically is not acceptable. I feel sad for him because actually it's a doorway to freedom. But I understand people don't want to go through it. Um, the nice thing about, and this is me pontificating here, so take it with a grain of salt. The nice thing about having an infinite God is there is nothing I can do that isn't a part of God's creation. When I say I can do something that's not part of God's creation, that's pride. It's saying, hey, God, as I was saying a minute ago, I'm, I'm a little better than you in this one area. you know. And I say it out loud. It's ridiculous, right? But between my ears, that's what it is. So when Jess would say, God made me a sexaholic, he must have known what he was doing. That means accepting, and this has been really important to me over the years, and it's functioning right this second, as a matter of fact. Um, accepting that God made me a sexaholic so that I could be useful to other people, that's pretty humbling, to put it mildly. And and it's been incredibly important over the years to the point where it's the most important thing in my life today. And it has to be because if I'm not sober today, I'll trash everything else. I don't have to prove that. I did it. And I, and I remember it. I, I Both parts are critical. I did it and I remember it. And And I don't want to trash things again. I did that once badly enough. That garbage barge is loaded and gone. And I want to keep it that way if I can. So I do today what I did yesterday. And so it does get better. The other thing to your situation of struggling with letting go and getting out of the middle of the picture is totally normal for us. You're, you're, you're not, I mean, I'm not saying it's happy. I'm just saying it's normal. And it does get better. It will get better every day. And the big thing to do is keep coming back. Somebody mentioned in the AA Big Book, pages 85 to 88, which is true. On page 86, there's specific instructions line by line on what to do at night and what to do in the morning. It's really worth doing exactly what it says on page 86 at night and in the morning because it actually gives us more freedom. This entire program, by the way, is about freedom. It's freedom to be somebody that I wasn't able to be on my own. So I don't know if any of that's helpful. I'm so glad you came up. Did you want to respond to anything? Okay. You're back. You have a great name. Uh, David Sexhall. Yeah, some follow-up questions to what I asked you previously. As far as, like I said before, the way I feel like I'm accomplishing something is if I'm I take a very academic approach to this. What do I need to do? Like, what do you recommend for step one, written work-wise, reading-wise, and steps two through, well, this is about step one, so I guess it's not about step two through three, but, and how that transitions into two and three, like how quickly can you get through it? And then also, 
when I mentioned, you know, my who I specifically call my higher power, obviously my higher power, who I call my higher power, is not working in this program. But if I'm not willing to give that up because of how I was raised and who I was raised to um, uh, believe as my higher power, it may not work be working in this program, but um, that doesn't mean that I don't believe he's not still my higher power. So if it's not working in this program, uh, is there a way I can approach it differently without having to become a, a go to a different like I'm not going to call a chair my higher power or the group. I'm not going to do that. That's I mean I'm not going to go to like Buddhism. Like how how can you approach it differently so that it works? So those are two questions. That's great, and I'll take them in backward order. Um, the big book and twelve and twelve, particularly twelve and twelve, are really clear on this. Nobody's ever asked anybody to change their higher power. If it's Jesus Christ, it's Jesus Christ. That's great. Now let's develop a relationship with him that works. So that that bracelet, WWJD, is that what it is? I never, you know, that's the right sentiment, you know. Any decision I'm going to make, uh, what would Jesus do, you know? Um, I have, this sounds prideful and I don't mean it to be, but people say they've revised it if they if I'm their sponsor. They say, I just ask myself, what would David do? Um, so it's the same idea because what I was told early on in this program, the only thing I had to know about my higher power, the one thing that mattered the most is it's not me. Everything else is open for grass. <laughs> and so however we build that, it's the relationship that matters and having a relationship that works. Let me say a word about the steps. On step one and, and in SA, by the way, and, uh, and even in SA, it's not an absolute at all. Uh, and in step four, uh, we talk about writing. We also talk about it in step eight. <coughs> and um, and I've had people who are illiterate in our program, and, and they are not going to write their step one, and that's fine. There's actually no reason to do that. It's just easier if it's written. And if you do the handwriting thing, the computers, as I say, just don't work in my experience. And I use a computer every day. I'm not anti-computer. It just doesn't doesn't work for recovery. Um, the um, um, the writing, the only purpose of the writing is to share it. So no one is ever going to see it. No one's ever going to read it. So one thing I'm a really big fan of is never put more words down than you need to remind you of what it is you were thinking about, what it is you want to let go of, what do you want to talk about. So step one, just the basic words of what happened. What's the examples of powerlessness? What's the examples of unmanageability? With step one, the more specific the examples are, the more useful they're going to be in terms of the freedom that comes from the step because the way memories are stored in our brain, they're all stored in clusters. So all of the mini skirts that I've seen in my life are all stored together in one set of neurons in my brain. Oh, delightful. It also means, though, that if I bring up any one of them, I bring them all up. And that's true of step one. So when we share one example of some egregious behavior, some forcing myself on a female, which I'm sad to say I did more than once, but if I bring up one of them, I bring them all up. So that's one thing about it. Keep it simple. Step four 
Um, no one's ever going to read it but you. So just have enough words of what was the situation that was the resentment. I tell people, if you use more than three words per person or thing, you're probably going overboard. There's just no reason. Because the whole point of step four is to share step five, to share it with somebody. No one's ever going to read it. People write these essays. I had a guy who wrote a 500-page fifth, I mean, 500-page fourth step. Well, he was tired. I couldn't blame him. But it wasn't my suggestion. I can tell you that. Um, step two and three. Let me tell you what was given to me because it was exactly what I needed. My sponsor said, David, do you believe a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity? I said, oh, sure. I've been around enough. I believe that. Are you willing to work steps four through 12? I said, yeah. He said, good, you're on your fourth. Do your fourth step. That's how long steps two and three were. Step two is indeed the hardest step, and I've gone back to it almost daily since then. Step three, either I work steps four through 12 or I don't, and I've had to wrestle with the italics. So, so it's not that I haven't gone back and done them many times. It's just that's what it, that's what it took for me. Five and six, we're going to do every day. I mean, excuse me, step five, um, generally takes anywhere from three to seven hours to do fifth step in my experience. Some people don't like that. I understand that. Um, but I always block out at least, I block out four hours is what I do. And then sometimes we just set another time to finish it. Um, six and seven, we're going to do every day. Uh, there are nice things about character defects. One of them is they're never going anywhere. Character defects are like my eye color. They're just who I am. They don't run my life today, though. And that's what six and seven offer us. We don't have to run our lives. Eight and nine, clean up the messes. Ten, eleven, twelve, keep cleaning them up and then reconnect every day. So that's how I work the steps. Thanks. <laughs> did I answer? Did I get back to all your questions? Well, we probably better switch over. Okay. Hi, group. Todd Sexaholic. Um, good morning. Um, I, I just wanted to bring where I am, which is um, coming. Uh, I, I identify strongly with a, uh, another member's experience of three years in program, in my case, a year and a half of sobriety, uh, and then a string of relapses. And uh, recently, I was told, um, you know, you know, you don't, you don't need a sponsor right now. You just need uh, to make a decision of whether or not you want uh, sobriety. And I wrestled with that. And I, what I'm wrestling with this morning is like that answer is both entirely um, accurate yet entirely uh, inadequate for just in my view right now because I know it's a program of higher power and surrender to that higher power and I also know it's a program of action um, and that's a, that seem, just seems to be a contradiction to me in my it's probably black and white thinking right now so I, I bring that to you um, knowing that um, um, Harvey said it yesterday. This is—it's a simple program. You can't be too stupid to do it, but you can be too smart to do it. And so, I guess, how do I get over myself and this 
uh, need to like intellectually understand and always know what the next step is because um, just where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm hearing, yep, work the steps, yep, work the steps, work the steps. Um, and right now for me, that's, you know, I need to uh, stay sober and I need to stay connected to my higher power and, you know, get to the point where I've made a decision um, that I want sobriety and then working with a sponsor. But I also don't have any patience there. So I, I guess I'm, I'm seeking direction. Um, but there are a lot of things in that. First of all, thank you for sharing all that. Um, secondly, I really hold on to the, what Jess said. All we have to give each other is love. And I, I, early on in the program for the first 10 years, I would sometimes let go of people as sponsees. And then I realized I, I, I couldn't do that anymore. I didn't want the responsibility of letting go of someone. And if they crashed, I, I wasn't willing to do that. So I haven't done it for the last 19 years. Um, I had one guy about a year and a half ago that I, I did say, I, I don't think you're, my using me as a sponsor is being very helpful to you. And so I still see him around, but, and, and, uh, but that's been the only one in 19 years. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that, um, for myself anyway. And, um, and sobriety is a gift. It's just a gift. And so what I tell people, if someone tells me they acted out, I always, I hope I say exactly the same thing. I hope it felt good, because that's why we do it. It feels so good, you know. As it says in the big book, we like the effect produced by beverage alcohol. We like the effect produced by masturbation, by orgasms, by sexual arousal, by whatever. So I said, so if something feels good, what's the appropriate response? The appropriate response is, thank you. Only I add to that, thank you, God. So uh, if I'm tempted to act out with myself, I'll just keep it on my own side here. Uh, I just say, thank you, God. Uh, I was telling someone at breakfast, I think of contacting some of the women I acted out with it frequently every day, certainly many times a week. And I hope I have the same response every time. Thank you, God. <laughs> Harvey used to say correctly, David, if you're reminded you're a sexaholic, that's a gift. If you forget you're a sexaholic, that's a problem. And and so any reminder that I'm a sexaholic is just a present to me. And and then if I act out, well, I hope it felt good and say thank you. And what happens is to take what I, I and this is my rule of 180 to. Figure out exactly what I want to do, how I want to respond. Like I want to dump on myself and tell myself how terrible I am and all that. And then do the exact opposite. It's Evan, Todd, what's your name? Yeah, you turned around there. Um, Todd, you're, you're just doing wonderful stuff. It's great. You know, without you, this program wouldn't exist. You know, if Roy hadn't crashed after 18 months, we wouldn't even have SA. So you're just part of the gift to us, God. And thanks, and I hope you keep coming back. Why not? You know, that's as legitimate as, boy, Todd, you screwed up again. I don't know what you're going to do. You know, you're dragging this whole fellowship down. You know, the whole weight of SA is on your shoulders. And let me promise you, and what I just said just then has nothing to do with you. That's what goes on in my head, because I spotted I got it is always operating. I, I Early on, I used to say is usually operating, and then I realized that was a bunch of crap. It's always operating. 
You know, we all have those thoughts. Those aren't a problem. Just bring them out in the open. And then turn it around to something positive, you know. One day at a time is the longest we ever have to do this program, and it sounds like you're doing it. And it sounds like you're doing fine. So just keep coming back. That's enough of a lecture. I'll let you go. Uh, I'm Mark, a sexaholic. Um, I've been in the program many, many years and have sobriety, but uh, about... Uh, it's hard to admit it, but I'm going to just leave with my weakness. About 10 years ago, my sponsor lost his sobriety, and I've not had a sponsor since. And I don't know if it's what Todd said. I think I'm too smart for it, but I think it's a matter of humility or pride maybe. And also intimacy. I'm 62, never been married. It's just hard for me to let people get too close. And uh, maybe it's resistance because if I have a sponsor, I'm going to have to let him know when I'm tempted and let the thoughts go too far. And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there is resistance. And uh, like I said, I've got sobriety, but my recovery seems to be stalled. I mean, I still deal with the same defects you, you mentioned. Uh, they never do go away. Um but it would just be great to have, I mean, I know a lot of people in the program I can talk to, but I don't really, you know, cough it up deeply like I would to a sponsor maybe. I hear about sponsor, sponsee relationships. And I sponsor, I sponsor a few people and have. So could you just speak to that? I mean, I, I, I often think of people, ah, he would be a great sponsor. I need to talk to him. And I never do. It's procrastination and putting it off. So. Just whatever comments you have on that. Okay, thank you. Um, well, I, I have a guy that would be a great sponsor for you, and he happens to have the same first name, so and he's here, so I can connect you if you want. <laughs> and it may or may not work out, you know. Um, every spon- this isn't really relevant to you. Well, it is. I take it back. It's exactly your situation. It was also true for Todd, who just spoke. Um, Every sponsor, every time I've changed sponsors, I think I've had seven, um, it's been because my sponsor became unavailable for some reason. And several of them left the program, um, or several of them relapsed or something. So that just happens. Uh, the important thing, and you've already answered this, is I have to have a sponsor. In, in your case, you're saying you don't have one, you're just saying you're still sponsoring people. And that's that's why we sponsor people, to keep ourselves sober. It sounds like you're doing great. Um the um it is very easy if our sponsor has abandoned us well this is this is getting a little off program here i just I'll just try to put it in that context my experience is that we all have this core fear that kicks in 10 minutes after we were born so we're pretty tiny and pretty fresh and that fear is fear of abandonment because we realize 10 minutes into life that if we're not taken care of, that's the end. Literally, figuratively, whatever. And anything that kicks off that fear of abandonment, I'm 72, so I got you by a few years, and anything that kicks off my fear of abandonment has 72 years of momentum behind it. It's heavy duty. Having lived with it all my life, I'm really good at repressing it and pretending it's not there. I know that. It still is there. 
when a sponsor relapses or a sponsor leaves the program, fear of abandonment is right there, you know, and there's nothing, there's no shame about that. It's just there. It's wired into me. So, and it's true with a whole bunch of things um, in, in sobriety and recovery. So as I, uh, now I'll come back sort of in the program, the last was sort of my own experience theory. But um, so that fear of abandonment, not wanting to go through it again, I certainly understand that. And put yourself at risk of it, you know, be abandoned by another sponsor. All I can say is it's been worth for me to get a new sponsor every time one became unavailable as quickly as possible. And I've, I've never let more than a few weeks go between, maybe not even that. Um, <coughs> and my current sponsor is Art, who's here, and he's exactly what I need. Um, so God takes care of that. But that bringing the inside out and constantly working on it is is what just it's just flushing the garbage out every day the guy the other day left me a message said i keep flushing the toilet and i like that it's a good idea um and uh, i have a whole uh i i i do speaking in another part of well, i'm retired from it now but another part of my life and my favorite topic was sewage um it is absolutely essential that we get rid of waste and uh, and it says it in the big book. The only th- things we have to do to be sober are to trust God and clean house, which is the same as dealing with sewage. And and we have to keep getting rid of this crap that builds up every day. And, and it sounds like you're aware of that. It sounds like you're doing it, more or less. Um, a lot of people, by the way, co-sponsor with someone they sponsor. They, they use that person. And I have a guy, while Art is my sponsor, Art lives in Macon, Georgia, and I'm in Portland, Oregon. So Mike and I talk every day, and and we, to a large degree, co-sponsor each other, even though technically I'm his sponsor. And that works fine. The whole point is to keep David sober. It's not how I do it. It's not whether anybody else does it the way I do it. It's, is, is David sober today or not? So did I respond to your things? I can't remember. Uh, yes, I just feel like I'm, I'm missing a depth of a relationship that a sponsor would offer me. I hear about the sponsor-sponsee relationships, and I miss that, and I'm scared of the intimacy, I think, too, and just revealing my innermost thoughts and defects. If, if I can possibly connect you with the guy I'm thinking about, I think you'll both be happy. Great, so, thank you. And if you see me in the hallway, remind me, because my brain is foggy. So, you're up. We have about 15 more minutes, so if you think you want to do something, a little less than 15, um, come on up. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, my question is, um, as as we progress through our sobriety and our recovery, um, and also as we sometimes help others in, in their recovery, uh, we, I, for me, I've, I've moved from this is something that I probably should want to do, or want to want to, and then I get to the point where I want to and actually start doing something about it. And, um, you know, years of that first step, you know, sometimes I don't even want to want to want to. And so, but as I move through, I'm like, okay, now there's things that I need to take care of. I need to continue my progressive, you know, victory over lust. And there, I don't really want to do those things, but I want to want to. How do you, how do you move further up that chain so that I'm having more success in the things that I ought to want to do? Even though I've come a long way, but I, you know, sometimes I feel like getting over plateaus is kind of hard. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's not your imagination. Um, there's a, 
So everybody has their kicks, right? You're bumped into one of my kicks just then without knowing it. I'm a really big fan of the word A-N-D, and. So I want to progress, and I don't want to progress. I want to be willing to work, do the next thing that I need to do, and I don't want to do that. In my experience, that's the real world. That's the real David. We all, including me, are tempted to use the word but, which is, I want to progress, but I'm not progressing, or I want to, and that creates a fantasy world. It's saying that they're not both true, when in fact they are both true. And so I'm a big fan of eliminating the word B-U-T from my vocabulary as much as possible. I still slip into it now and then. And instead just focus on the world as which is full of contradictions and full of things that go together. That's made it easier. The other thing that there's, if there's any one, well, I don't know about one, but one thing I use a lot, and you kind of glossed, came up really close to the edge of it just a minute ago. Um, no matter what's going on in my behavior or in my head, if I say, thank you, God, for that, I'll be able to make progress, whatever that progress is. It's totally nonsensical most of the time. Why am I saying thank you, God, for something that's really lazy or, you know, unfathomable or, oh, I know, I remember it's going to come back to. Um, and, and yet, in fact, I found that as long as I, it, the, the, as I said, it's the relationship with the higher power in my experience that matters. So if I keep fostering that relationship by saying thank you, God, for everything, whether I'm happy about it or unhappy about it, whether it seems positive or negative, all that, um, I, I can make progress. I can keep moving forward on that relationship. Sometimes, thank you, God, is nothing more than acknowledging, boy, I'm a long way short of where I want to be. I think I better change something. Um, and most often, the thing I need to change, which you did mention, is just tell somebody. Tell somebody what I'm thinking or feeling. That's, that's often the hardest thing to do is to bring the inside out. On intelligence, by the way, um, the uh, this came up several times now. Uh, I do agree totally that one of the greatest liabilities we can have coming into this program is being smart. And and I'm I'm pretty well educated and I got a good memory still, um, mercifully one day at a time. And uh, those are not assets um, when it comes to 12-step recovery. They're assets in a lot of other areas of my life and I use them. They're just not assets in letting go and letting God and cleaning house. And so anyway, is any of that helpful? Okay, glad you're here. Up if you want. So, my question is about computers and, and, you know, like, I don't have the internet on my smartphone. I only use my mom's computer now. I've, I've finally, a couple of years ago, surrendered to the point where I need, like, I don't know if you've heard of Covenant Eyes. It's one of the most well-known internet. It happens to be a Christian organization, too. Very good customer service, but finally, I submitted, well, I need that on my devices. Um, I know there's this attitude in the program where, you know, well, if computers are, are causing you to, to, to trip up, then get, get rid of them. But that's not necessarily realistic in the, in the day and age. Like, especially if you don't, if you're applying for jobs, if you need to check email, like, 
the only way for me to do that would be to go to the public library and um you know i've tripped up there i haven't like looked at porn there but necessarily but um how do you unless you just want to work at mcdonald's or which may or a place that may not necessarily require you to apply online how do you how do you like reconcile um this well i need to step away from technology so i can get sober but yet i need it we need it it's not like you don't need alcohol or drugs you need it's like this is the 21st century like i don't it's like hello we have to get on to, to do stuff sometimes like and bookending I, I know about bookending you can't just what if somebody doesn't answer like that's not realistic all the time somebody you know can't be looking over your shoulder or or checking being accountable to you all the time um but yet you have to move on with your life like how do you that's that's my question for me that's great um I would never suggest somebody back off from all electronics unless they really were finding that every time they use electronics, they acted out. And I have a guy in California who's, that's exactly his situation. It has been since 1999. So, you know, that can go on a long time. Um, and one thing that helps me is to remember it's never more than 24 hours. Either I do it today or I don't. It can be really humiliating to admit how crippled I am. Uh, there are a lot of things I just can't do. Um, and humiliation is God's major way of teaching me things. So uh, I've learned to say thank you, God, <laughs> to that. doesn't mean I like humiliation any more than I ever did. Um, I just uh, have found that that's the case. So, um, you know, in AA, they're really clear. Uh, guys come in and they, you know, they were the top salesman in their company and their sponsor says, get a job. And they says, the only job I can get is, is cleaning the streets. And they said, fine, go clean the streets. And that ego deflation and depth takes many forms. So, and that's, that's consistent with AA. That's not. So, you know, do we like it? Oh, no. No, nobody likes it. Um, is it what we need? Yeah, it might be, and it might not be. We just have to try it, you know, and and, um, and see. And then we may have to do it for one day, you know. Someone asked me yesterday what are any lengths I've gone to, and um, I went on a trip. I was in danger of losing my sobriety. I walked to the airport and came home. And because I know I will do that, I had never had to do it again. That was 20-some years ago. Um that's, so we just do these things sometimes, and it doesn't mean it's going to be every day. Um, computers, because of how they work, are are real dangerous for us. Um, I'm not a big fan of controls. I'm covenant. I used to be a recipient of several people's covenant eyes reports, and um, and one guy was looking at porn, and it would come through on the report, you know, every day. It was doop 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 doop, <laughs> little chart, and. Uh, and that's why I'm not a big fan of the controls or, and not because they don't work. They can be very helpful to people. It's just because I've never known anybody who didn't get around them or ignore them. And, um, so, uh, it's, we think we're doing something positive and if it works, fine. But frequently I just find these, as I say, they try to get around it or ignore it. So anyway, we can talk more, but I don't. You're back. I am back. Uh, Todd Sexaholic. Um, 
uh, appreciated what you said about um, things that sound uh, logical between the ears that need to be brought out. Um, and I'm in um, uh, just where I am, all, pretty much all the sponsorship uh, chains run through Mike C. So um, the... Um, we have we have a pretty you know hard and fast rule of you know uh act out three times and the you fired your sponsor um so i am i'm headed for and so this is what i'm telling myself i'm headed for sponsor number 6 uh and i'm not worth it um and i know that's uh objectively that's ludicrous but i had to bring it out from between my ears uh and let it go in order for um uh, in order to get out of that self-obsession. So, do this right now. Okay. Keep that sentence, I'm headed for sponsor number six, only insert the words, thank you, God, at the beginning of that sentence, and then continue it. Okay. Uh, thank you, God, I'm headed for sponsor number six. And if you say I'm worth it, I'm worth it. Why is God doing this? Why is God doing this? Let's talk about that. I might go back to what you said earlier about um, God made me a sexaholic so that I could be useful to other people. Mm-hmm. And? He wants you to spread it around. Look how many people you're keeping sober. Isn't that great? Everything I think is negative turns out to be positive. Everything I think is positive, eh, not a good idea. And one thing I haven't mentioned, it was handed, is great. Uh, several people have said this to me over the years, and it really sticks in my head. And you kind of mentioned it a minute ago. That's what reminded me. Alcoholics, I'm not being negative here at all. Alcoholics, drug addicts, gambling addicts, money addicts, food addicts, all have the luxury of taking something from outside themselves and bringing it in. We don't have that luxury. That is not on our list of choices. We may say, oh, she triggered me or he triggered me or something, but that is really irrelevant. (laughs) It's what's going on between our ears that's actually doing the work and the the damage and whatever. And and it's this disease is so difficult. If someone comes in and says, this is just too difficult for me to deal with, I respect that. I totally do. It is. It's not their imagination. Because the the place a friend of mine says, put one finger on your forehead, one finger on your temple, and just imaginary lines and where they cross, that's where your problem is. And that's true. It's our amygdala. And and um and it's really running the show. And and one of this is physiology, not program per se. <clears throat> one of the things about that emotional brain that runs our lives is that all sensory inputs go into the emotional brain and all sensory inputs come out of the emotional brain. And the logical brain that we're using to do language and memory and concepts and whatever good intentions to say nothing of our motor actions, all of those are secondary to the emotional brain. That's just evolution. That's physiology. That's how we're built. Sexual arousal is right there. And we, as I said, it's we have, you know... 
If someone says, I acted out, I said, you had no control because by the time you're aware of acting out, you're long since made the decision to act out. That's just, and that's not a punishment. That's not negative. It's just the way our brains are wired. So that's what you're up against over and over again. Join the club. One more person, maybe? Are we done? Like you were like you were saying, the computers can be dangerous, but computers aren't necessarily the problem. The problem lies between the keyboard and the chair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brian Sexaholic. Um, one of the one of the things I've kind of struggled with um, is working the steps with integrating them kind of on a on a daily basis. I know, you know, step one, two, and especially just when I'm triggered, but I'm wondering if you could talk about how you do your inventory or how you integrate kind of looking at your day with you know, your defects, how you kind of overcome them or recognize them in some sort of some fashion. I've used certain apps um, that look at um, kind of taking inventory about was I selfish, dishonest, um, something I could have done better today. There's things like that. I've wondered if you could just comment on how you approach work in the steps, integrating them together. Thanks. Um, In the AA Big Book, um, the story Acceptance is the Answer was written by Paul O. And he also, there's speaker tapes of his available out there, CDs now, available out there, I'm sure, on the table. And um, and Dr. Paul is just um, really good on, the nice thing about the steps is they're all connected. So if anytime you want to have something be different. Just pick a number. He said any number, 1 through 12, and work with that, and you'll get all the others anyway. So one of the first things is to keep, and you just said this, I'm just reiterating what you just said, keep consciousness of the steps in my mind. Anyone's doesn't matter, 1 through 12. Uh, power assist on manageability, you know, higher power, you know, turning my will in my life over, it doesn't matter. Just pick any one. And and uh, and that's why service work is so important. That's step 12 in practice. So if we're doing that, if we're doing consciousness of the steps, then they all come flooding in, and um, and that turns out to be true. Uh, another thing is, uh, and this is just my approach, um, my sponsor said, David, if someone asks you to sponsor them, say yes, because the vast majority of them will never call anyway. Um, so that's been fine. And I do that. It's not everybody's style of sponsorship. I'm well aware. And uh, but what's happened is I have this legion. I mean, it really, people say how many people you sponsor. I have no idea, but it's some probably twenty to thirty. Um, all these people want me to stay sober, which means they call and they bug me and they are obnoxious and they're rude and and they think I'm terrible to them and all those things. And and so they they keep me focused on the steps. On that, so that's been really great for me. As I said, it's not everybody's approach, but the people who don't sponsor as many people tend to talk to the same people every day, and that works just as well. So, so that's another way to do it. Service work is good. Um, there are many times when I thought I can either masturbate or I can keep working on the service project I'm doing. Well, I think I'll work on the service project because if I masturbate, I got to tell people, and I'm gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just my crazy brain, but but service work is good for that, too. And all service work, because it's step 12 work, by definition, keeps us focused on the steps. Um, and then to just keep, what happens in meetings is if I keep going to meetings, I go to four to five a week, um, and that's where 29 years gets you, uh, makes me anyway. Um, I, people will say things in meetings, 
And if I'm identifying, if I'm comparing, of course, it's a losing cause, but if I'm identifying, they'll remind me of how I used to feel or how I still feel or what kind of craziness is in my head. And and they essentially are, by sharing what's going on in their lives, they're saving my life. And so I, I listen for that. And what I was told early on in meetings, I'm watching the time here, um, is that in every meeting there will be one person who says the one thing that I need to hear that day to have serenity and freedom that day. The problem is I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't know when they're going to say it. So at the end of the meeting, I want to be able to go around in my head and remember what every person at the table said and how it impacted me when they said it. And I more or less am able to do that every meeting. And whatever it is I need to hear, I probably heard it. So those are things that work for me. So so glad you're here. Thanks. Uh, we are going to wind up. I want to thank you all again for coming and uh, being a part of this uh, uh, meeting on Step 1, Powerlessness and Unmanageability. In closing, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an SA to yourself. The shares we've heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you've heard about another member to anyone who was not actually here at this meeting at the time it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. Uh, I'd like us to, as best we're able, uh, form a circle and uh, do the third step prayer. Go ahead and get in the circle. I want to say a word about third step prayer while you're doing it. So just make a circle and I'll join you in one second. I was very prideful about the third step when I came in. And, um, and I really promoted it. And I haven't lost that. But I also discovered one time when we were standing in a circle doing the third step prayer that I had changed the words inadvertently. And so I'm so grateful to be reminded every time I join the circle, which I'm going to do in 10 seconds here, um, that uh, it's the original program that was handed to us is the one that works. listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening 
and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.